0: This is the Converge podcast. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at Heritage Baptist Church in the chapel. This is a group that is geared towards those who are young adults who want to follow Jesus and live the gospel life wherever the journey takes them.
1: nice. Good morning, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get things started here. I've got a few quick announcements for you. You're welcome to still grab your coffee or whatever, find a seat to settle down at. If you're at a table that's not very full, try to grab a table where there are other people because there's some discussion kind of built into today. So I think that would be good. Um, Just a couple quick announcements for you guys today, Uh, one that I say all the time, but uh, I'm going to say it again today, if the clicker, there we go, Um, we send out text reminders throughout the week for things that are going on, one of the things that we send those out about are small groups, when and where those are meeting. So, for example, I know that the Rays aren't meeting Thursday morning, and that'll be in a text message throughout this week. But if you didn't get a chance to check with Jeff you don't get those messages, you might not know that. So that's the kind of thing that we like to let you guys know on these updates. You can text at Converge to 81010 to get those updates from us. And another thing that we sent out on that this week was the uh, info for joining the men's or women's scripture memorization group. And especially for the men's scripture memorization group, we didn't know that was happening last Sunday. So the only place that's been announced is on those text messages. So if uh, the guys, if any of you haven't gotten a chance to sign up for that yet, but are interested, you can talk to Justin or any of us in leadership, or you can reply to those text messages, uh, and we'll get you in the signal group. Uh, so that you can work with us through memorization of the Bible. And the ladies group, they were already on top of it. They're all already in, but uh, we're running a little behind. So just giving you guys one more chance. If you're interested, you can go ahead and jump in that group still this week. So anyway, that's my uh, that's my pitch for getting our text message reminders. To see the announcements from Heritage as a whole, you can go to hbclinchburg.com slash hub there's uh, a lot more information on a lot of the things that the church is doing there. One thing that I mentioned last week and I wanted to make sure and specifically highlight again this week is, there we go, that we are having a launch lunch at the Victor's home. So next Sunday, immediately following Converge, anybody that's interested can go to the Victor's place and that's 2122 Elkton Farm Road, and there will be barbecue for you there. So uh, Joel Bannister has made a bunch of pulled pork barbecue for this, and if you haven't had Joel's barbecue, then you definitely need to try it, and if you have, then you don't mean, need me to tell you that you need to try it, because you know that already. So I'd encourage you to come out there, and uh, that's a, a great opportunity if you are moving on somewhere next for us to launch you well and, and be praying for you and the things that you're doing next. And if you aren't, if you're going to be with us in Converge for the foreseeable future, then we'd love to have you there to celebrate the people that we're launching and to pray with us for the people that we're launching out. So along those lines as well, you all should have those cards on your table that look like this. And the intention of this is we pray for you guys. Legitimately, we pray for you guys. And the more information that we have, the more specific and directed our prayers about you and for your lives can be. So, uh, we would love to know what your plans are for this summer, what your plans are for the fall. So, along those lines, too, if you aren't going to be back with us, if you're moving on to the next big stage of life, we'd love to know that and be praying for that as well. So, don't think just because you're leaving, taking off to the next thing that we don't want to be praying for you. We absolutely want to be praying for you. It's our desire that uh, after your time in Converge, however long that is, that you are launched out into that next stage of life intentionally. We know that you want to have intentionality and we want to have intentionality to pray for you through that process and through that step. So if you can take a few minutes to make sure and fill those cards out and we'll collect those back from you today. Dave, was there anything else you wanted to add on all this? Awesome. Okay. Well, that's all of the announcements that I have for you guys today. So I'm just going to give you a couple more minutes to fill out those cards, and then Ben's going to come up and kick things off. So I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then Ben will be up here in a minute. Dear God, thank you for this opportunity that we have just to meet together and to read through your word together and to hold each other accountable and to build each other up. Thank you for the commission that you've given us to sharpen each other like iron sharpens iron. And thank you for the role that we get to play in that. Lord, I pray that you would remove distractions, that you would help us to focus on your word today. I pray that you would give Ben a message for us this morning and that we would all be in tune and that we would remember the parts of this that we need the most at the times that we need them the most. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. And thank you that you bring things to our memory that we are not great at remembering. And uh, and Lord, I just pray that we would uh, be in tune with you today. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name, Amen.
2: sure that you know everybody's name at your table. Okay, so we're going to keep talking for like two more minutes. Make sure you know everybody's name at your table so that we can have conversations today. job, way to talk. Okay, bring it on in. Okay, perfect. Here we go. Um, I am going to be teaching on 1 Samuel today, but before I get started, I want to open with a word of prayer. And for those of you who have been here for a while, I like to start my speaking with Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6, Paul says, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words will be given to me that I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel. And so I ask that you would pray that as I pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here, to open your word together with friends, and to look at you. And I pray that you would be with us as we study and learn and listen and, and question. I pray that we would hear from you, from your spirit, and that we would look to you, that we would learn to fear you rightly. and pray this in your name. Amen. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel today, and we're going to be looking at Samuel, not Samuel, Saul. And Saul is the first king of Israel. And so the big idea is fear God, not the people. Fear God, not the people. And what we're going to see in the life of Saul is this worked out in a couple stories. So Israel wanted a king. Maybe. There we go. Israel wanted a king because they did not fear God. Now, Michael Thickman has written this chapter on Saul, David, and Solomon, and so I'm I'm borrowing some of his ideas here. But Israel, setting up the stage of what's going on in Samuel, is that Israel was looking around. Israel was comparing themselves with the nations of the world. And they wanted a king because they lost their fear of God. And so God gave them what they wanted. He gave them a king that looked like the world. And I'm going to read a little bit from chapter 8 we're going to jump around a lot today but here we go chapter 8 verse 19 but the people refused to obey the voice of samuel and they said no but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight for our battles when samuel had heard the words of the lord he repeated them or hear the words of the people, he had repeated them to the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. So God gave them what they wanted, a king that looked like the kings of the world. But what they didn't realize is that the king that they got did not have the heart of Yahweh. Here's a question. Is Saul slow to anger? An abounding and steadfast love? So as we read through these stories and, and look at Saul, the character, I want you to ask yourself, does he have the same heart as Yahweh? Instead, Israel got a king like the king that they wanted instead of the king that they had. And I think that's a really important and valuable lesson for all of us. So we've got two portraits of a king. The first is, The king that they wanted. In 9 verse 1, we read of Saul's lineage. And it's talking about Saul's father. And it says that he was a man of wealth. So the kings of the world were men of wealth. And in chapter 2, or verse 2, it says, And he had a son named Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people more handsome than he. That's the kind of king we want. We want one that is rich. We want one that's handsome and looks good. Chapter 10, verse 23. And it says that he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. When I was growing up, I really wanted to be 6'3". I thought that was the perfect height. I was pretty sure if I was 6'3", I could dunk a basketball. I I couldn't dunk a basketball, and I'm not 6'3". But Saul was the equivalent of, or even more, he was taller than any of the people from the shoulders upward. And in 1448, we read, And he did valiantly, and he struck the Amalekites and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. So this is the king that they wanted. Rich, good looking, muscular, powerful. But this is the king that they got. A portrait of insecurity. 921, turn to 921. And we're going to start to see a little bit of Saul's character, his heart. Solomon or Samuel has come to him and said, You're going to be the dude and he says am i not from the humblest of all the clans of benjamin why then have you spoken to me this way now on the surface as you first read that you could see that, that that might be humility or that might be insecurity and so we're going to read on to look to see what this is we see about Saul in 10:1 Saul is anointed and so Samuel is going to anoint him and it, And it's really interesting to read through this. He says, This shall be the sign that the Lord has anointed you. In verse 2, You will meet two men. Then in verse 3, Then you will go on from there and you will meet three men. In verse 5, After that you'll come to this place and there will be a garrison of Philistines. Do what you want there. And then 6, Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush on you and you will prophesy. Do the work that is for your hands. In verse 8, then go down before me to Gilgal and wait. All of these things that Saul is told, he has seen. Like, like if someone says, hey, tomorrow this is going to happen to you, you'd be pretty impressed, right? And, and the more details they got right, the more impressed you would be. Well, Saul, Samuel is telling Saul all of these things are going to happen. And his response was, in 16, after he goes home, He doesn't tell anyone. He hides the work of the Lord. Why did he hide the work of the Lord? Moving on, just a few verses later. Samuel, the people, they decide that they're going to have a king. So God has already decided that Saul is going to be king. But the people don't know who their king is going to be yet. And so they take him by lots. So they're kind of they're saying, hey, Lord, who do you want? Is it this person? No, it's from this tribe, okay? From this tribe, from what family? From this family, okay, from this family, which child? This child. And so it came all the way down to Lot, or to Samuel, Saul. I'm sorry, I'm messing up the names today. <laughs> and Saul couldn't be found. Verse 21 of chapter 10. So they inquired to the Lord, is there a man still to come? And I love this. The Lord said, behold, he has hidden himself in the baggage. That's the kind of king I want, by the way. The one who's so scared of their mantle and their leadership that he's hiding among the luggage. No. They wanted this tall, beautiful, wonderful warrior king. But they got a king with a heart that was hiding, that was insecure, that was... Unable to recognize who God had called them to be. And all of this then becomes clear in verse 7 of chapter 15, or 17 of 15. And this is when Samuel is pronouncing Saul's judgment to him. And Samuel says to him, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? Though you are little in your own eyes, Samuel is diagnosing the heart of Saul. At first he started and said, why me? And then once it was clear that it was him by God's prophetic sovereign interactions, Saul hid it. And then Saul hid himself. And then Samuel calls him out and says, I know you're little in your own eyes. So here are three-ish questions. Where is my identity found? Where is my identity misshaped? How am I perceived from the outward or the inward? Who has God named me? Then moving on to kind of apply this. When have you envisioned in a life decision a solution that you might think is ideal, but it turned out to be far less than that? What other biblical examples are there? And what does this teach us about seeking? So in your tables, I want you to turn to no more than three people. So right now we're not doing a whole table discussion because the tables are really full because I pushed you all together. So turn to a triad. And I want you to choose one question to talk about in your triad here, okay? So you've got five minutes to talk. Ready, set, go. Go. Okay, can you hear me now? Bring it back, bring it back. No, you can't hear me? Now you can. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to move into three stories of Saul here. The spiral of Saul. And I have kind of coined this, what to fear or not to fear. And so in chapter 10, we're going to read verses 25 through 27 and then jump over to uh, chapter 11. In verse 25, we see that Samuel told the people the rights and the duties of kingship, and he wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his own home. Saul also went to his home in Gibeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts had God had touched. But some worthless fellows said, How can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present. But he held his peace. Jumping over to eleven, verse twelve, then the people said to Samuel, "Who is it that said shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death." But Saul said, "Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel." So what we see here is a story of of Saul's first kind of engagement in battle. And so he goes on in between these two pericopes that I read, uh, and he defeats the Ammonites. But some people were pro-Saul, and some people were anti-Saul. And after Saul proved his worth in battle, some of them said, let's put to death those who were anti-Saul. And Saul said, no. The victory today is not based on me, and it's not based on these people. It was based on the Lord. And as I'm kind of going through the rest of this lesson today, if you are a person who likes to mark up your Bible or highlight or something, any time we come across the phrase, the people, I think it would be worth highlighting or marking. Because what we see here in Saul is we see this downward spiral where Saul right here does a good job of fearing Yahweh. The people told him to do something, and Saul said, no, even though I'm being despised by these worthless men. Saul recognized that this, the deliverance was not his. But what we're going to see is, as Saul goes on as a character is his allegiance and his fear change. So in chapter 13, we pick up another story. 13 verse 8, Saul's unlawful sacrifice. He waited seven days The time appointed by Samuel. The time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people, highlight the people, were scattering from him. So Saul said, Bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and said, What have you done? And Saul said, When I saw the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered and were ready for battle, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he has commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Saul took things into his own hands. In the beginning, in the first story, we see that the people were saying, hey, you should do this. And Saul said, no, that's not right or righteous. But here, just a couple chapters later, When the people were starting to disperse, Saul said the people were dispersing and so I had to do this because you didn't come. I think this idea of waiting, this is not the first time Saul had to wait. Back in 10 verse 8, Samuel said, seven days you shall wait and I shall come to you. Then again here in 13, 8. He waited seven days, but then Samuel didn't come, and so he, he took things into his own hands. So here's some questions to ponder. Do you wait well when asked by the Lord? How long do you wait? So I, looking back in my life, I sometimes will set an arbitrary time, like if I'm really trying to discern something i'll just say well i'm gonna i'm gonna pray about this for a week sounds good seven days that's what samuel was told to do or Saul was told to do here but it's arbitrary our waiting is not contingent upon us the length of wait it's contingent upon the sovereign one is there an area of life that you've grown impatient with waiting and talking with many of you someday you want to get a job Someday you want to get out of college. Someday you want to get a spouse. Someday you want to move on and buy a house. And all of those are great things. But is there an area of your life you've been impatient in waiting? And how have you started to take matters into your own hands to speed up the Lord's timing? What could go wrong? So, we've got another five minutes. But this time, talk in a bigger group within your table about these questions. Thank you. Hello, hello? Oh, okay, perfect. Bring it on back. Bring it on back. Okay. Um, so Saul took things into his hands. As I was reading through this and thinking about taking things into my hands, it reminded me of the story of Abraham and Sarah, right? God promised them a child. And Sarah's like, I'm really old. This probably isn't going to happen. God promised, and and so they took things into their own hands, and it didn't work out that well, and and I, I know in my own heart, in my own life, that I have this temptation to try to manipulate and govern things, to bring about the ends that I want, or the ends that are good for me. It's just, it's easy, because I don't have to wait if I'm doing something, busily doing something. When Saul was confronted by Samuel in verse 11, he said the people were scattering. There is something here going on in Saul that there is this idea of he was fearing not Yahweh, but fearing the people. And I know in my own heart, in my own life, as I've gone through my career, there have been different times and different challenges where I have been called to something, and it is easy to get my eyes off of the calling and onto the circumstances that surround me. When Saul saw the people scattering, he then overreacted. When Peter was walking on the water and he was looking at Jesus, he was defying gravity. He was walking on water. That's amazing. But when he started looking at the wind and the waves, when he got his eyes off of Jesus, he started to sink. And, and in your life, you're going to be met with just amazing, wonderful, joyous opportunities. And in your life, you're also going to face the humdrum of life, the monotony of old age, as D.A. Car- Carson says. Or maybe that's C.S. Lewis. Uh, you're going to face challenges and trials and struggles and pain and all of those have a different temptation that surrounds them and you can either fear the circumstance or you can fear the god who is above the circumstance turning to chapter 15 we've got one more story of saul 15, Saul is told by the Lord to go strike Amalek and to devote to destruction all that they have, the Amalekites, because they were evil people. And so Saul is acting justice on behalf of the Lord. And so he took the king of Agag, or king Agag of the Amalekites, and he took him alive, contrary to what God called him to do. He devoted to to destruction, this is verse 8, devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatted calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told to Samuel, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed and went on to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the loaming of the oxen I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop! I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said to him, Verse 11, I regret that I made Saul king, is what the Lord says. Samuel goes to confront Saul. Verse 12, Saul sets up a monument to himself. Back in 1113, in his first battle, when the people wanted to destroy the naysayers, Saul said, no, this victory is the Lord's. And here, coming back from a victory, he sets up a monument to himself. Now, two things I think I draw from this. One, there's a loss of realization of who the battle belongs to compared to 1113. But two, how can Saul rightfully give Yahweh credit when he fails to heed the words of the Lord. So verse 15, or chapter 15, verse two. "Thus says the Lord of hosts. God is speaking. He's speaking to Saul. Verse 23 B, "Because you, Saul, have rejected the word of the Lord, He has rejected you from being king." Verse 24, Saul said to Samuel, "I have sinned and transgressed the command of the Lord." Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. I've tra- transgressed the word of the Lord. Verse 26 And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. So, how can Saul say honestly, I have performed the commandment of the Lord? Because he did not heed the words of the Lord. Now I think we see two excuses here in Saul's interaction. Excuse one, 1515. Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. They have brought them from the Amalekites. Before we get to the questions, I'm going to go with excuse two. Excuse two. The people in 1515 spared the best flock. Saul is again blaming the people. Instead of being the leader and being the king and being the one who has heard the word of the Lord, he puts the blame on others. Okay. Questions. We've got 10 minutes left. We've got a perfect round of questions and then my conclusion. Are there places where we say that we believe the Lord when we have evidently not believed him? So Saul was lying to himself. Can we obey the Lord by disobeying the Lord? Can we worship properly if it's grounded, rooted, and birthed from disobedience? How can you fear the Lord Ignored, ignoring repeatedly the word. Who influences you more than they ought? Okay, got f- four more minutes to. my conclusion is fear God, do not fear the people. And in some ways, if it weren't for verse 24 of chapter 15, I I don't know if this is super fair to Saul, what we've done, but because the narrator has made this so explicit, I think it is fair. And Saul said to Samuel, by his own account, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. If you go back to, I think it's all the way, eight, no, nope, green. Verse 12, when Samuel is getting ready to place a king, he reminds them and says, if you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against him, then things will go well. But, Saul says, I didn't fear Yahweh, I feared the people. I didn't obey Yahweh, I obeyed the people. So fear of God can grow if you cultivate it. Fear of God can also diminish and die if you start fearing the wrong thing. If any of you are readers, I would highly recommend the book Rejoice and Tremble by Michael Reeves. It's his theology of the fear of God. I would challenge you to read that because I would challenge you to spend your lives cultivating the fear of God. At the end of Ecclesiastes, after the teacher has walked through all of these things he has learned and all of these things he has done, he says, at the end after all has been seen and heard fear god and keep his commandments that's his epitaph on the wisdom of ecclesiastes fear god and keep his commandments and so my charge to you today is to cultivate for the next these are 20s ish so like the next 65 or 70 years cultivate the fear of god grow it on purpose And with intention. Israel was looking for a king that could look like what they thought a savior should look like. Later in the gospels they did the same thing, right? They were looking for a savior that could look like a militaristic empire. Because that's what they thought a savior should be to set them free from the Romans the cross was not the image of salvation that they had in mind. In your life, do you look for salvation in locations other than where the Lord has provided and is providing? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to open your word and to consider the life of Saul as a reflection of our own wayward hearts our hearts which fear men and fear friends and fear neighbors and fear whatever it is let me fill in that blank we all have that temptation lord god to raise little lords over our heart and our life that tell us what we should look like and what we should be but you were above it all. And I pray that these students here and myself and my wife and my kids, that we would all fear you, Yahweh, because you are majestic and you are beautiful and you are glorious and you are steadfast in your love and you're rich in mercy. And nothing can separate us from the love that you have given us through Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would remind us day to day and at random times throughout our lives when our hearts get off kilter to fear Yahweh and not the people. I pray this upon each person here, and I thank you in your precious name. Amen. Here are all the questions that I asked if that's easier.
0: you guys thank Ben for teaching today? We'll leave this up here because if you are like our table, then you didn't get to all the questions today. So feel free to snap a picture and make them part of your lunch discussion or something like that. Um, For today, I've got Zach and Ian in the back. They're going to come by and pick up your cards so that we can – Get this life update on you, we really do want to pray intelligently for you, but also if you're not going to be back with us after this we'd love to hear that on here, we want to celebrate you next week, and so that's going to help us know exactly who to be able to do that for, and we want to um, have you come to lunch next week, everybody, this is for everybody to come next week, yeah, free lunch, right, free lunch, barbecue, Uh, So come, come and do that. Today, in this room, after we're done, is New Connections, okay? So that's our gateway to membership class around here at Heritage. So what we need to do is give them the room fairly quickly. We've got a few minutes. But when you leave, if you're able, if you want to go out the side door, then they've got an entryway all set up for welcoming the New Connections guests today. If you need to go out the front, no problem, absolutely. But if you can, you can exit through the side door. Guys, thanks for being here. You don't have to tear down anything because they're going to use this room right after us. And we're really glad that you've been here. I hope to see you next week for lunch. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to get plugged into a small group, just text Converge to 81010 and you will get the text reminders for all the small groups. If you have any questions, just respond to one of those text reminders and it will go to our leadership team and they will be able to respond to you directly.